Hello everyone, as winter descends, I'm walking to the Elfington Community Centre. It's been our home base for this podcast. And today I'm off to a playgroup, the peer support playgroup that goes every Tuesday at Elfington. And I'm going to have a chat to Katia and Sue, regulars at the playgroup. The topic today is underlying medical conditions and Katia has quite a few of them. And because it's a playgroup, warning. Audio may contain traces of children. Code Roulette. Stories from the pandemic. Hi, I'm Sue. And I'm Katia. And we're here to tell you about our COVID story. Well, you're our first dual interviewees and mother-daughter as well. And and really quite a traumatic COVID story. Give, give us the background. Do you want to take it, Katja? Yeah, sure. Um, so I am immunocompromised and immunosuppressed. I've got a lot of um, underlying autoimmune conditions. So we've been trying really hard for at least two years to kind of stay home and isolate and um, just stay safe. So... Um, we were lucky enough to not catch it for a really long time, but I, I've been dealing with pneumonia every kind of fortnight without COVID. So we were really not, um, we were hoping it wouldn't hit the household. Um, and when it did, mum, we think, caught it first oh, through yeah, work. Yeah. And then from there, uh, it went through the whole family. So my children, uh, 18 months, I've got an 18 month old son and a four and a half year old daughter. They caught it as well. My parents and my husband, all six of us, got it in one go. Uh, And mum and I were in hospital almost immediately after catching it. So I was ambulanced off with heart complications and mum caught pneumonia. And we were always worried about Katia because of her health. But I'm a really fit, healthy person. I bike ride, I walk, and I got really, really sick. So... Very surprising to everybody. And was yours respiratory, Sue? Were you just yeah. unable to breathe? Respiratory and exhaustion. It took me 10 days to get out of bed. Um, couldn't breathe, terrible cough and high fevers. Really very unwell in spite of my expectation that I'd be okay. Couldn't eat. We, we were just uh, living off hydrolyte icy poles, but I think... Because it was so debilitating, because I'm already... I also have stress fractures in my feet and arthritis everywhere. So to add that overlay of the COVID complications to my parents, who are usually part of our support network, it made it really, really difficult to manage to get through the day. And so tell us about arriving in hospital. Were you on the wards or did you go into ICU? (laughs) (laughs) So we had a very different experience. Uh, Do you want to tell your mum? Yeah, I... Um, My husband insisted I went to hospital, so I went off to Box Hill and they were wonderful. I was in a bed in 15 minutes, given um, x-rays, blood tests, um, monitoring and then a drip for fluids and antibiotics. I think I was in there for 10 hours and I couldn't speak more highly of the treatment and then discharged with hospital at home for two weeks. And Katja? I I had a quite a difficult experience actually. Um, My GP called the ambulance because my heart rate was sitting at about 155 resting and she said you're tachycardic, we need the ambos to get there quickly and 
Box Hill, unfortunately, called a bypass. ED was full. They, were they weren't able to take any more ambulances. Um, that was when I got to the end of our street. So I got taken to Dandenong instead, and in the ambulance... This is Raph. Oh, darling, this is, this is my Raffi giving me some Play-Doh. <laughs> Raph is giving you Play-Doh. That's and... right. In the ambulance, I was given pain meds and I was given um, a little bit of oxygen and fentanyl. The breathing pain was just pushing my heart rate up really high. So we got to... And my care team, my rheumatologist, GP and immunologist were basically the heroes of the story because they organised antivirals for me and they had basically organised a pathway to be monitored in hospital in the home but at Dandenong Hospital they were just overrun they they couldn't um, they just couldn't administer enough care in the red zone which is the COVID positive zone there was one girl lying on the floor with a blanket shivering and I think they were just it was really difficult for them because they were just too too busy. And were you? You've obviously lived. You've obviously lived a life. Sorry, Raf is in the background. We are at playgroup here in the city of Darabin, <laughs> where both Sue and Katya uh, play with their kids every week at the Elfington Community Centre, our home base for this podcast. Yeah, yeah. and sorry, Raffy loves to draw, so you probably have heard that ad nauseum by now. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, to, so yeah, I I was given. Um, I, I wasn't given any pain meds or IV medication, which is what I needed at the time. But I think at the end of the day, they were all doing their best, but it was they were just too busy to um, be able to look at... My case is really nuanced. And so I have a lot of anaphylactic allergies. I have an underlying genetic condition. And so I think it was a very difficult thing. There are so many people who need immediate critical care I, through COVID. I, and it's it's, you know... We fix the lungs, we fix the heart. These are kind of tangible new symptoms. Well, mine were on top of a whole host of other things. Um, but I guess I don't have any of that and still got very unwell. But also I was amazed how busy our hospital system is. We are overrun with cases mm. And everywhere. I think people are, people are like, well, we'll just get it and we'll get over and done with it. Um, but the people on the front line are really struggling. Um, and the, so the second time I was hospitalised with tachycardia, I went to Box Hill and they were just exceptional. And you notice how kind and calm all of the frontline workers are. And they just... Well done, Rep. They just have this capacity to really roll with everything. And, I mean, I was... We, we were put into isolation both times, obviously, because we had, we had COVID, but... They are just absolutely exhausted. And it's actually not bad to hear Raf going here because you obviously live this busy life of parenting. <laughs> and, and so two of the house's key carers are down. What, what then unfolds? We had a Mother's Day get-together. Nine of the 11 of us got COVID within three days. One son-in-law didn't, so he was delivering food to three houses. Hey, well done, Raf. <laughs> Yeah, my, my brother-in-law did food deliveries. My husband was the one who probably came out of it the best out of all of the adults that caught COVID. So luckily he was able to, you know, make some chicken soup for us or, you know, take care of the kids because the rest of us were completely bedridden. But it was, it was really it stressful. It was really hard. And the kids got better quickly and then they were bored. 
and we couldn't look after them. Oh, no. Yeah. And, and what about you, Sue? You're, you've obviously lived this life with Katya where, where you've worried about her and then you've had a pandemic to doubly worry. How did it feel when it happened and you knew it was on now? Uh, terrifying because I tested positive and raced upstairs and stayed up away from everybody and then everybody just kept getting sick and I could hear from upstairs that they were not tracking too well and I couldn't go down to help. Um, but also, you know, Done. we've all well had done. three vaccinations and I said to my doctor, was that worth it? And she said, you're not dead, was her comment. <laughs> so even though we were really sick, she said the vaccination stopped us from... Um, and hopefully from long COVID. And one of the other things for me is that I wasn't actually allowed to get vaccinated until quite recently because of my genetic condition. So we were just so grateful to have two shots on board uh, because as it stands, within about 12 hours of testing positive, I already couldn't breathe and was in hospital. Um, and the antivirals saved me. Things were just spiralling and within probably half a day of starting these antivirals, they had made a huge difference. But also Eastern Health did hospital in the home for both of us. And I cannot fault their care. We got daily phone calls. We had doctors and nurses tracking things. We had an oximeter sent out to just track heart rate and oxygen levels. It, was, it made us feel so grateful that we're in Australia being treated for COVID because I've got friends in America and London and basically people just don't turn up to the EDs because you won't get in. How did you feel getting it? it I think it was not knowing how my body would cope was the terrifying thing because even with a common cold or infection, for me that will within a day usually turn into pleurisy or pneumonia. So my body just can't fight anything. So it was, I don't know how this will impact on us. Mm. Um, and I, I hope I can recover, but we were all pretty stressed. And until the antivirals were on board, it was a bit scary, just feeling like you've got shards of glass in your chest when you're breathing and not being able to move because your heart won't slow down. And I think that our experience of COVID w is different to a lot of people's because there are a lot of people who feel a bit sniffly for a few days and then within a week they're bouncing back and... I'm still, um, my heart rate is still a problem and we're, we're just troubleshooting um, regularly to make sure things are okay. But again, kind of the supervision that we had through Hospital in the Home and all of the Eastern Health people and having a really strong GP team and, and specialists on board helped. How's your pandemic been? I mean, we yeah. kept hearing that that people in your situation, and I've got a son with cerebral palsy, and you know we felt the stress as well. But have you have you found this to be a a difficult, you know, that the public messaging and the behaviours of other people? Have you have you been sort of overwhelmed with sort of stress? I guess it's been fairly stressful. So you would know, having underlying health issues, that it you feel a little bit as though. Um, people are quite willing to write you off as, well, if you've got an underlying condition, you don't count. Also, I mean, from my perspective, being locked down was the safest thing that could have happened. We felt that Katya was protected. And then when they opened up, that was the most terrifying time. Because everyone else <laughs> thought, amazing party. And they were, they were 
okay to do so for the most part, but for us, it became far less safe because there was such a flood of people who were out, the risk just exponentially rose for us. So my husband and I, Chris and I, were just saying it's been even more isolating since lockdown has opened up. Um, and I sometimes find it difficult because people, you look at how many people are, are passing away daily from COVID and there's always the throwaway line of, oh, but they had an underlying condition. I mean, that underlying condition could be asthma. I, I have a lot of underlying, you know, I've got genetic conditions, autoimmune conditions, but there are people with a quote-unquote underlying condition that you wouldn't think would make you vulnerable. As someone who is vulnerable, I think the messaging was, it wasn't nuanced enough. There was a whole subset of people who have been sitting, who still are sitting at home, trying to keep ourselves protected. This 12-week period post-COVID, is probably the safest that we're going to be because hopefully we've got those COVID antibodies. I don't know if my body will produce them. My immunologist was saying we've got to track whether or not I can produce those antibodies. But yeah, it's been really isolating. And we've, had, we've been isolated apart from our household, from friends, family. We've had to keep the kids home. They couldn't go to kinder or playgroup or anything for a while. We had to keep them home just to protect me. So. You feel the weight of it, and even my, my wonderful parents and my husband have been extra careful just to make sure that the mm. household was protected and I was yeah. protected. Yeah, we only, for a long time, only one of us ever went to the shops. Um, we ordered food in. Uh, we couldn't have visitors. We couldn't, occasionally we'd go to a park and meet friends. It's been a, a very difficult two years, but we just didn't know what would happen when we got COVID if Cartier would be okay. There was never a suggestion that I wouldn't be. <laughs> but, so that's the, I guess, the surprising part of this, that we were trying to protect Cartier and in fact, I've protected myself yeah. as well. Yeah. And I guess the other thing is the antivirals they treated Cartier with were only on the market two weeks before we got sick. Oh, wow. It was just such serendipitous timing because without those, it would have been a much rockier um, ride. But I think as well, we've had such amazing community support. So um, Leanne and Kalimna from the community centre have been sending um, frozen meals home with us and they've just been the most wonderful, wonderful support. And you find that there are lots of little corners of your life where people just spring up and they'll leave deliveries at your door or just really step up when you need them. When you, when you feel extra isolated from the world. And your family, I mean, you've dealt with tragedy before, I believe. I mean, is it true you, you lost a child in, was it, was it in pregnancy? That you... Oh, yeah. I mean, I've, I've had eight pregnancies and I've got two kids. So we've had a lot of, um, you know, we've got two miracle, incredible children. But there, there's been a lot along the way. And um, I've been sick since I was about nine years old. So this has been an ongoing thing. So I'm actually, I'm actually quite... Um, adept at navigating the um, medical systems, but COVID has been much more difficult. And I think the anti-vax side of things has uh, been a challenge as well. When I was waiting for two and a half years, desperate to be vaccinated and not allowed to because of my genetic conditions, I was kind of looking and going, this is a huge risk actually. I think if the messaging had potentially included some more people who were at such a great risk, I think people in general are really good and they want to help other people. And so if there had been a few more faces of people who were going to be in a lot of danger, it may have appealed to 
some subsets that were really resistant to vaccination? Sue? Yeah, I think also for us it was, it has been quite frightening to think that we could have lost Katia from something that sprang out of nowhere. Um, since she was nine, we've been dealing with many health issues, but we didn't expect a global pandemic to be the thing that could take her out. And also just trying to maintain friendships. You know, we've had Zoom 60ths and Zoom catch-ups with people. It has been very difficult. And especially some of the extended family don't always understand that the risk that we face. And the anger in the community was, was very sad to come across. You know, the anger about lockdowns, when for us lockdowns were keeping Katya alive. And, and so many people alive, I think. I, and I feel we're really lucky because we have six people in the one, under the one roof, so we can support each other. And I'm so grateful to have my parents on board to support my husband and I with the kids. But there are people out there who are just as much at risk as mm. I am and they have no support and they don't have secure housing. And, you know, we had that benefit. We've also had, like my son-in-law went to the Anzac Day footy for the first time and then isolated away from us for seven days just in case. You know, so some people have gone above and beyond just to make sure that we're safe. And we still got COVID. <laughs> <laughs> that was the irony. We made it for so long and then, you know, two, two and a bit years later and <laughs> it hit. But, yeah, so I think the other thing about our journey is that um, the way that my body's responding to COVID is not... It's not over. It's going to... I'm going to have to continue to monitor and make sure, like, I'm still very prone to lung and heart issues and I've had two emergency visits for the heart and we're just trying to keep everything at bay. Um, so time will tell how big the impact is. Uh, and I think for a lot of people it's just, you know, seven days, you get to leave home, you're done. But there are a lot of people out there that it's a longer journey. Yeah. Well, I think you have spoken so eloquently for those three words that are tossed around too much, which is underlying health conditions, yeah. <laughs> and you've spoken beautifully for them, Katya and Sue. So thanks so much for joining us. I hope you, I hope it is over for you, and that you've your bodies cope very well in the aftermath. Thank you. Thanks, Tony. That's the end of the episode. I'm Tony Wilson. COVID Roulette is an Elfington Community Centre project and it has been funded through the Victorian Government's Local Community Access Grants Program. It's conceived and produced by myself and Leanne Coglin. Our musical theme is from David Bridie. Our artwork from Lee Arkapal. I love my visit to the playgroup. Thank you, Katya and Sue. That's the end of the episode and remember, that is something we can do this pandemic. We can do our bit to help the people who are most at risk. So if you haven't got that third booster, if you haven't given your kids the second jab, get out there and do it and keep everyone as safe as possible.